God bless you. You may be seated if you would. I know, I know that uh, I, can, I can feel there's a, there's a sense of sadness, because uh, I'll be honest with you, Sherry, Sherry Logue uh, meant a lot to this church, far more than what many of us would recognize or realize. So you say, well, where is Sherry? The Bible tells us that she is in the presence of God. Think about that for a moment. She's in the presence of God. She has seen the Lord face to face. Paul addressing the church in Thessaloniki or Thessalonica, and, and uh, they, were, they were sorrowing. They were grieving over some of the ones that they had lost. And, and Paul said it this way. I'm going to paraphrase a little bit. He says, I don't want you to be uninformed. He, he used the word, I don't want you to be ignorant, um, but that's not really socially acceptable anymore so we say i don't want you to be uninformed about those that have died he said for if you believe that jesus christ died and rose again how many believe that jesus christ died and rose again even so them which are asleep in jesus even those that have passed away sherry that's in the presence of the lord shall come back with him he said, for this we say unto you, that, that those which are asleep in Jesus shall come back with him, for the trumpet's going to sound, the Lord's going to descend, and the dead in Christ will rise first. That they are going to rise first. That they are going to be the very first ones in the rapture. And then he said, and then we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall be caught up to the Lord in the clouds, in the air, and so shall we forever be with the Lord. You say, well, why do we gather together for that main hope right there, that when the trumpet sounds, we shall forever be with the Lord. Let's say that again. You shall forever be with the Lord. You say, well, does that, does that have any bearing on my eternal destiny? Yes, it does. Those that, that know Jesus Christ, those that have, have bowed their knee, have bowed their heart, and he is their Lord and Savior. There are promises in his word which is irrefutable, which never diminishes, never rescinds. It's always true. It always comes to pass. The scripture says that those that trust in Christ shall be with him. That's us. That's us. I need a little excitement here. That's us. Uh, yeah, I know it's cold outside, but one of the greatest things you can do about being cold is to kind of clap your hands. I went around and shook everybody's hand this morning, and I found the, the people that decidedly had the warmest hands, and I shook their hands longer because it's a little bit cold for Florida. You know, the thing is, in all of the things that we, all the promises of God that we have, that, that we can hold on to, that we hang on to, you say, what is our response? What should our response be? 
That's a rhetorical question because I have the answer and I'm going to give it to you. We should bless the Lord. In the next few weeks, we're going to be walking through the 103rd Psalm about blessing the Lord. This is a psalm that that David wrote, uh, perhaps more than likely in the latter part of his life. And perhaps David was looking back on his life that was filled with the splendor of God. David was, uh, after all, called by God to be king of Israel. Can you imagine being a teenager and being called by God, anointed by the prophet Samuel to be the next king? king of Israel. You say, well, certainly they should have called him because he was out doing great things. He was out keeping an eye on the sheep. And God called him. Perhaps David was thinking about the times that that not only was he called by God or, and chosen by God, but perhaps the time that he was out there tending the sheep and a, and a lion came up and, and David defended the sheep and killed a lion with his bare hands. And perhaps he was thinking about the time when, when he was tending the sheep and a bear came up and he defended the sheep and killed a bear. I don't know about you, but if I had a flock of sheep and a bear came up, I would say, which one do you want? But David defended the sheep. Perhaps he was thinking about the time that he defended the armies of Israel, the name and reputation of God, and went out and slew a giant. This little five foot eight maybe man young man went out with a sling and as he was going to face the giant the bible says this guy was about nine feet six here's five eight here's nine six this guy's almost his head almost hits a basketball rim he has a a spear the size of a weaver shuttle can you imagine? And David goes out and he says, you come to me, and then you, but you're defiling the name of my God and I'm coming to you in the name of the Lord of hosts and slings that, that, that rock and it hits the giant and we say, oh, he killed the giant with a stone. No, he didn't. He knocked him out. David went over and took that giant's sword. Can you imagine how big that sword was? And he killed the giant with his own sword. David had a lot to think about in his life. Perhaps he was thinking about the lion or the bear or the giant. Or perhaps he was thinking of the times when, when God was so gracious to him and he had blessed him so much. Maybe he thought of in, 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 a, in a moment of remorse. Have you ever had one of those those thoughts about something you did that was absolutely stupid and it just brings a pain to your heart even though it's been forgiven and forgotten and everything else every once in a while you think about it you think oh why did I do that perhaps he was thinking about how he messed up with Bathsheba and 
when he should have been out fighting the enemies of God, and yet here he stayed home and, and saw and he took somebody else's wife. And it was the prophet had to look at him and say, you're the man. And he repented. Perhaps it was Absalom that his son, the son that he loved, that had betrayed him. And, and perhaps he, he grieved over that when he, when he had that, that, that thought, that moment in time go through his mind. And, and in those moments, they not only run through your mind, but they pull your heart because you're emotions and your memories are attached perhaps just perhaps he was thinking about when he was fighting against the army of Israel the army that he was supposed to be leading the people he was supposed to be king over and yet he found himself in opposition perhaps he was thinking about all of his life the bad points and we all have them the great points and we have them and then the everyday points of his life and when David penned Psalm 103 in my mind I see him looking at his life in its entirety the good and the bad and the indifferent and the monotonous and the joyful everything that compiles this thing we call life our own experience from the time we are young to the time that we are right now this whole thing we call life Perhaps David was looking at all of it in its entirety in a, as a compilation, and he said, what is my response to God? And if you would turn to that scripture in Psalm 103, he says this, Bless the Lord, O my soul and all that is within me, bless his holy name. David's response to looking at his life in, in its entirety and looking at the time that, that God had blessed him, the times that he had walked away from God and the mercy of God was still with him, the times when he didn't deserve the blessing of God and yet goodness and, and, and grace was with him. That's why David said in Psalm 1, uh, the 23rd Psalm, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life because David understood that life is about God and our relationship with God. And you can say it's about me getting to do what I want or me charting my own course and me doing my own destiny and it's nothing to do with that. It's everything to do with an understanding that in the good times, God is with me. And in the bad times, God is with me. And in between those highs and those lows, in the valley and on the mountain, God is with me. And he sustains me. And he blesses me. And he strengthens me. And my only good response to the Lord is, Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. 
Now, a lot of, a lot of uh, translations, they, in, perhaps in your scripture, in your Bible, they'll say, praise the Lord, O my soul. And I normally don't get into a lot of uh, grammatical detail, but on this one I'm going to, because the word used is not one for praise. There are actually, there are seven words or variations of words in the Old Testament that are used for praise. This is not one of them. There are seven words. Uh, Tehillah means to praise vocally in song. We did that. We did that today. We were singing. That's why it's a song of praise. It's a song of adoration. When we sing, it's in Scripture. Psalm 100, verse 4 says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving, and it's his courts with praise, or with a song. Give thanks to him and bless his name. We are encouraged, we are commanded to Tehillah, to, to praise him in song. So song, singing in church is biblical. Don't you love that? Zamar is another word, to praise with instruments. To praise with instruments. To not just any instruments, but all instruments. Even the accordion. Somewhere, praise God, not here. Uh, I have heard it a few times. But to praise him in Psalm 33 too. Give thanks to the Lord with the lyre. Sing praises to him with a harp of ten strings. The idea of using instruments is in the word of God. Instruments can be used to lift up the name of the Lord, to, to give praise, to exalt his name. Something about music. Have you ever noticed something about music changes us? I was, years ago when I was in uh, Bible college, I was working a, a, a job, a full-time job, and there were some guys that were working there, and, and they were talking about it was Friday, and we were, they were getting off work, and they were going to go out and party, and, and they were going to, and I, I said, well, what kind of music are you going to listen to when you're, when you're partying? And they were telling me, oh, you know, everything that they're going to listen to. And, uh, and I said, well, do you think music affects you? Oh, no. Music doesn't affect me at all. It has no influence on me at all. And I said, okay, when you're out partying tonight, why don't you listen to some Barry Manilow? <laughs> I'm dating myself on that one. Uh, and they said, no. And I said, why? And he said, well, it's not party music. And I said, aha, there you go. Music affects us. Music in church is designed to affect us, to create an atmosphere of worship that we can release our praise to the Lord. And that's what the instruments are for. So we are to sing. We are to have instruments. The hallelujah is another word for 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 uh, praise it's 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 a call of corporate praise it's designed for praise leaders to bring us together when they say praise the lord or hallelujah that that's an invitation for us to get together and lift up our voices to god psalm 111 1 says Praise the Lord, or hallelujah. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart in the company of the upright, in the congregation. It's important that, to know that, that there are praise leaders in Scripture. 
that there are those that lead us in prayer. In the temple, they had people that would lead the congregation in singing. Another one is Yoda, or, or Yoda, I love Yoda, um, to lift or throw the arms up upward in praise and surrender. Did you know that lifting your hands in church is in the Word of God? And it's two different ways. If a policeman comes up to you and says, stop, what are you going to do? Right? Show me your hands. Yes, sir. Right here. And we do it like this. This simply means I surrender. When you're lifting your hands in church and you're doing this, you're saying, Lord, I surrender all. But it's not just surrender. They lifted their hands in to receive from the Lord, too. And that's when you do this. I surrender and I receive. Both found in the word of God. The next time you want to lift your hands, just lift them high. If you want to surrender to the Lord, surrender to the Lord. It's in scripture. If you want to receive from the Lord, just get that funnel as big as you can. Lord, here I am. I don't want to do this. I want this. And it's about receiving from the Lord. Another one is, is, is toda, to sing praises together as in harmony. Don't you love harmony? And, and, and that's a scripture, because of your loving kindness is better than life, my lips will praise you. There's a, there's a, a sabah, it's reaching out with affection for God. And the last one is halal. It means to, boo, uh, to boast foolishly. In other words, to really get with it. To dance, to sing, to shout, to run. There, and then you say, well, that's not in Scripture. Yes, it is. In fact, they use that one more than they use all the others. When King David was dancing before the ark, he was out there dancing, and a lot of people were offended by David. And David did not care. I love that, don't you? you know, and I love it when, when people feel free to worship the way they need to worship. And if, and if your way of worshiping, I, I have a friend. I almost fell out once because he was doing this. That was huge for him because his normal worship was this. And he was doing this. That would be like me running the aisles. Next to him was a guy that had got out in the aisle and he was dancing. So he's doing this and right here is a guy that's dancing and they're both worshiping the Lord. They're both doing halal. They are doing what is in their heart to worship the Lord. And I would encourage you to worship God with everything in you. And don't worry what the other person next to you is doing because the way you worship God and the way the other person worships God may be two different things. And if you're a little more reserved, fine, worship the Lord. If you're a little less reserved, fine, worship the Lord. But the big thing is that you worship him with every ounce of strength you have. Worship the Lord. Don't you love all of those? Can you, can you imagine seeing King David out there dancing before the Lord? And his wife, Michael, looks down and says, God, that's disgusting. 
And God said, you'll never have children. You'll never give life. Because if you're ashamed of worshiping the Lord, life cannot grow in you. Worship the Lord with everything in you. You know, those are all great. And yet, in Psalm 103, none of those words are used. Not a one. The word that is used is barak, which simply means, it's a form of the knee, it means to kneel. Just as in when Scripture says, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. When he says, bless the Lord, what he is saying is, I'm kneeling to your sovereignty. I'm acknowledging openly that you are worthy, that I am under your authority, that whatever you say goes. And when David was looking at his life, he said, Bless the Lord. Oh, my soul, that living part of me, that very eternal presence of, and being that I am. Bless the Lord. Kneel before him, my soul, my eternal destiny. Do you know when when you gave your life to Christ, when you acknowledged that, that you needed a Savior and you went to the Lord and you said, Lord, I need you to be my Lord and Savior, you were kneeling, you were blessing the Lord, you were kneeling before his sovereignty, you were kneeling and saying, you're the one that has eternal life and I submit my life, I submit my will, I submit my ways, I submit everything there is about me to you that you're Lord and I'm not. Have you done that? Have you given your life to the Lord? Not just in word, because anybody can say that. Anybody can say, Lord, I receive you as my Lord and Savior. But have you bent your knee and recognized him as the one that really controls eternal life. The one that has your destiny in his hands. Your destiny. See, there's not another person in this room, nor is there another person in this world that has control of your destiny. The only person, the only being that has control of your eternal destiny, and you are eternal. We have a time that we began, but there is no ending. It's not a matter of if you're going to live. It's, going to, it's a matter of where you're going to exist, with the Lord or without the Lord, in heaven or in hell. Have you talked to him and said, my life is in your hands? You alone have the authority and the power to give me eternal life and to remove me from your presence. And I bow my knee 
and bow my heart and I say, Lord, you are sovereign. If you've never done that, you need to do it. Because when we make him Lord and Savior and, and, and have preeminence over our eternal being, that's when he comes in and transforms our lives. But he doesn't just stop there. He says, bless the Lord, O my soul, that eternal being, and all that is within me. Everything that is within me, every aspect of my life, not just my eternal being, but everything, my thoughts, my emotions, my beliefs, my attitudes, my plans, my expectations. Bless the Lord, my soul, my eternal being, but everything that's within me, body, soul, spirit, I bow my spirit to you. I bow this body. I pull it into subjection because it wants to do those things that are contrary to the, to the will of God. And yet, I am going to make this flesh bow to the sovereignty of God. You say, well, we can never overcome all the sin. I get that. John said, if you say you have no sin, you're a liar. Because sometimes we sin and we don't even know we're sinning. That's how sinful we really are. He said, but if you sin and you confess your sin, he's faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. He's talking to Christians that, that it's a continual process that when we bow before the sovereignty of God, it's not just for our eternal salvation but it's about our attitude our character our conduct it's every aspect of our identity of who we are that needs to come under the authority of god deuteronomy 6 5 says lord love the lord your god with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength what is he saying Bless the Lord, kneel before the sovereignty of God and say, Lord, I surrender all. Not just where I'm going to spend eternity, but I'm, I'm surrendering my will to you. I'm surrendering my, my ambitions, my desires. Lord, wherever you want me to go, I'll go. Whatever you want me to say, I'll say. Whatever you want me to do, I'll do. Because I'm no longer in charge, you are. I'm going to ask our praise team to come back. It goes on to say, bless his holy name. Bless his name, because he is the one. Kneel before the Lord. You remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? They would not kneel except before the Lord. Because kneeling was simply saying, I surrender to, and they would not do it. 
I don't know, this is not in the notes, but is there anything in your life that you've been kneeling to? Have you been kneeling to your fears? Have you been kneeling to desires? Somewhere in you, your mind, you just have to make a resolution to stand, that you're going to stand against everything else, and the only time you are going to kneel is when you're kneeling before God Almighty. I will promise you this. It will transform your life. I want you to stand with me. Last night, um, at 7.45, last night, Sam sends out this message that says, I am inviting everybody to church. And the last comment we have from our good friend Sherry Logue is this, I am looking forward to a blessed morning. God knows what he's doing. You say, well, is Sherry blessed? <laughs> More than what we could ever imagine. My friends, this is a day as a psalmist, when you look at your entire life, our only response, the only right response is Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless your holy name. As we sing this song, I wonder if we could offer it as a prayer to the Lord that we will bless his name.